Welcome to the 288 Podcast. This is your host, Matt Slayer. And once again, this is your large-titted host, Raven Starr. Our very special guests tonight are Jameson Irish Whiskey. I definitely approve. Very much. author Robert Dean, author of The Red Seven, just recently released on Necro Books. Robert is a current resident of Austin and a former New Orleans transplant from Chicago. Known him a good long time. He's a good dude. Into fucking punk rock, westerns, all good shit. I mean, yeah. very, welcome, Robert. Very happy to have you. Howdy, y'all. How's things down in Texas this evening with all the fucking tourists and California folk with you? Uh, they're fine. You know, South by is a interesting time of year, but luckily I live so far north of it that I really don't have to deal with it unless I'm downtown. It's not too bad. People hate on South by for a whole bunch of reasons. I don't really have a problem with it. I think if... You should be happy that you live in a town where people want to come and spend gang loads of money and all these rad bands and events are happening. You could be living in Omaha, so count your fucking blessings as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a, a pretty a pretty rad scene, and to have that many people, it's got to be really great for your town, yeah? I mean, like, the thing about Austin that's cool is it's not pretentious. There's rad stuff. Like, you can go still get $2 beers at shows. There's tacos everywhere. People are super cool. I mean, yeah, has rent gone up? Absolutely, because people want to live here. That's just a part of the gig of living in Austin. People want to live here. And for, like, 10 days in a row, cool movies, like, rad technology. The president was here. Let's just let you know the level of that. And then you literally could walk in any direction in the city and find bands playing for nothing. They're giving away barbecue. They're giving away beer or... You know, Iggy Pop's playing secret shows. You can see At The Drive-In play a secret show this week. You're not going to get into it, but they're happening. I mean, <laughs> why why complain about that? That's just it's dumb when people are like, oh, it's going to be so bad. It's just, it's you know, I don't know. I saw a rad movie this week called My Father Die. It was incredible. I would have never heard about this movie had it not been for South by Southwest. But oh, word. because it was there, I got to see it. Yeah, it's that trailer we watched earlier. It fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, I thought that sounded familiar. That yeah, we watched that trailer earlier. It looked uh looked pretty fucking sick, dude. Dude, it was amazing. I went into that with zero expectations because a friend of mine is a producer on the movie. And you know, when you just do the friend thing, like, yeah, I'll go, I'll see your movie, whatever. Even if it sucks, there's beer. And then I watched it and was like, Holy shit, this thing is good. Like, for everybody out listening go see my father die if you like seven pulp fiction the usual suspects like harmony crime movies right it's just basically it's like take seven and a heart and gummo and put them together oh that's rad that's rad it was hell i like that yeah it was incredible that's also a, a very cool thing when your friend invites you to something and it doesn't suck because personally i'm always a little nervous when one of my friends is like you want to come see my band 
And I'm um, like, yeah, sure. But then deep down, it's like, oh, man, I hope they don't suck. Because if they suck, what do you really, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know. Speaking of friends bands, <laughs> Circle of Violence is playing tonight, and we're not there. Oh, shit. That's, oh, fuck. fuck. I did yeah, when the that. band blows. <laughs> we're not saying the Circle of Violence. No, no, no. Blows. Circle of Violence is rad. We love Circle of Violence. But we're, we're upset that we're, you know. When the band blows, you're like, man, that sound guy really messed you guys up tonight. I don't know what his deal was. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to use, yes, you're Oh, brilliant. you never used that excuse? That was always, all, like when I was. Managing bands, that was always an excuse. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck that song guy. We're never playing here again. Oh, see? There you go. I would just be like, you know, y'all, y'all sounded real interesting. I'm feeling your sound, you know, like really ambiguous terms. If I've ever said this to you, I really, truly liked your music, I promise. I you, might be lying. Yeah. Either that or you, I just get blind drunk and just be like, what? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Rock and roll. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> it is what you normally do. It is. It it is. Speaking of being me being drunk, um, the first time I ever went and visited Robert down in Austin, he got me fucking annihilated. I was done by 10 p.m. I would like to hear more of this, uh, Robert, if you're if you're willing to share, because I've I've heard Slayer's side of it, but I'd I'd like to hear it from the the ringleader point of view. Um, you know, I just. I'm a purveyor of good times. I'm ret- I'm semi-retired now that I'm, you know, I have a kids and I'm married and I have a big boy job and there's expectations of me. So when I get the chance to get crazy, I mean, I'm still like, I'm retired in the sense that I can't go get blackout drunk like I used to. But right. if you take the chains off, believe me, the gorilla is still intact. I, li- I like and, that term, purveyor of good times. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what his yeah. profession was in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I lived in New Orleans, it was just a nonstop. I lived the Bukowski life. Like, until I met my wife, it was drinking, writing, sleeping, repeat. That's all I did was just read books, get housed, and write about my life. And and in that respect, I don't know. There's definite things of just, I, I enjoy bar culture in the sense that I like dive bars, and I think there's interesting people in dive bars. Not like hipster dork dive bars but a good old man dive where the jukebox hasn't been changed for like 30 years and the bartender visibly hates you the first 10 times you go in there yeah. like everything's all dark wood. that's something that's something to be said and so like when you're when you find these spots and you find a rhythm when your friends come to town and there's something to do it's always good to take them to these kind of spots and have good nights with them and those are the memories that always last versus remember that time when we went to this place, we did that thing when you can have the genuine connections and rage and have fun. And the context is so simple and it's so clean because all you did was just have fun together. That's like the backbone of new Orleans and Austin to a greater extent. Chicago is a lot like that. I mean, there's these pockets of places that you can have just fantastic times for, little to no effort as long as you're just down to have fun absolutely absolutely i, I agree with that about chicago i've never personally been to new orleans or austin or actually on my bucket we list. have I to gotta go we I, gotta fix I gotta that gotta shit. Go. especially new orleans but chicago i love fucking love chicago well i mean most of our chicago experiences have been with like me and damon and a lot of a lot of drinking oh a lot it was also it was also uh prior to you guys because i i dated a girl that lived out there Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Prior to hanging out with y'all. But we definitely got you into some shit. Oh, I am not denying that for any length of time. 
But yeah, no, that 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 first trip to Austin was fucking magical. Like by 10 p.m., I was done. Went back to my room, laid down, got the spin so bad that when I stood up to like, oh god, I'm going to the bathroom because I'm a goddamn professional. I make it to the toilet. Unfortunately, I was disoriented and. I thought the toilet was in the far corner of the room. Oh no! Oh yeah, that's we we went to the jackalope and stuff, right? We went to the jackalope. We went to some taco truck. Uh, we went for death metal pizza. We went. Yeah. To, oh my god! I I ate a burrito, pizza. I don't even know what else. Like I, all I know is it was rather meaty when it came up. That is so. Yeah, I remember that now. See, awesome. like. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely advocate for people that have never been to New Orleans or Austin. There's a reason why people love them. I mean, the the the, the reputation precedes themselves. They're both amazing town with lots to offer. I mean, like I said, New Orleans is I can where I consider home. That place is insane. Took till twenty four seven. So you like you have to put on your big girl panties when you go visit New Orleans. Oh yeah, no, it's I mean, definitely not for beginners. Yeah. Oh. So, like, the first time I ever went to New Orleans, I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. By about halfway through day one, I'm like, why the fuck do they call Vegas Sin City? <laughs> Vegas has nothing on goddamn New Orleans. New Orleans is Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Like, it, the part of that first trip there, me and my buddy from Chicago that were there, we were fucking shithoused. We sit down in a place on Bourbon called Mr. Chubby's Cheesesteaks, which is no longer there. And we were eating drunk food, like just fucking, oh man, I am fucking racked. Fucking eating drunk food. Where the fuck's our hotel? Holy yeah. fuck. We didn't sl- realize that it was A, 9 p.m. <laughs> B, our hotel was across bourbon, like literally across bourbon from where we were. It took about an hour or so bring up to figure out these two facts. Y'all are beautiful. Oh, I mean, I looked like a walking zombie after three days down there. Like, the bags under my eyes, because I was sleeping, like, on average two to three hours a night and drinking for the entire time. Yeah, the whole day. Like, New Orleans is the only place where you get a gallon of frozen Everclear drink, and they give you a free shot with it. Because, you know, a gallon of frozen Everclear drink is not enough. Why would it be? Why, you know? I don't know, Robert. Why would that be (laughs) enough? The whole Sin City thing for Vegas is just good marketing. It's, you know, anybody who goes to Vegas is like, Vegas rage is so hard. No, it doesn't. Vegas is full of assholes in popped collar shirts, and they want to relive some shitty movie that they saw. I hate Vegas, but as far as I'm concerned, if you want to have a good time, you want to, like, have absolute no rules when you go out, go to New Orleans. There's sketchy shit everywhere on every corner. There's a reason people die there. Dude. You know, you can get there's a good chance of murder getting robbed but that's all in the fun of it that, oh, is, yeah. that is the endorsement i want to hear like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's what i want to hear about a city i love that no like vegas doesn't have shit on new orleans does not have let's shit. let's go i mean if it didn't get so goddamn I mean, humid there i would move there right now the thing <laughs> the thing that like people don't understand about new orleans is like you have to want to live there because there's so, like the politics are fucked up the people are fucked up. There's, it's insane with crime. Jobs are terrible. But you're living there because you're like, if you want to be Peter Pan and all you want to do is just drink and party and just get by, that's that's what New Orleans is. Like, we used to like uh, Vegas, I mean not Vegas, Austin was known as the Velvet Rut. New Orleans is the Velvet Coffin. 
Ah, I'm with it. And a lot of you know mausoleums for your goth ass. I know, I know. I want to. I really do want to go. Like really bad. Ever since I was a wee goth, reading a bunch of Anne Rice, you know, and Poppy Z. Bright before um, Poppy actually transitioned, and uh, his name is escaping me. But that book, Poppy Z. Bright's amazing. Uh, Exquisite Corpse was a huge is, influence on my first novel. That is literally my favorite book of all time. Exquisite Corpse is my favorite book. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a huge influence on my first novel in the arms of nightmares. Ooh, guess guess what I'm reading next? Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. See, yeah, this, a, I'm, now, also... I'm, now I'm even more excited to finish uh, uh, Red Seven, which I just downloaded today. The weird thing about in the arms of nightmares. So this is a true story about that book. In the arms of nightmares is like a bit. I basically wanted to write a book about a serial killer. That it wanted to make him so absolutely like the most heinous dude on earth, but I wanted to see if I could get you to like him. And so I succeeded in that in the sense that everyone who read him kind of fell in love with him, even though he was this horrible, despicable person. And I know of somebody who actually like his like masturbate, uh, the female has masturbated to that book. Like she reads it. Like I used to get like, letters not letters but i've been secondhand told i should say about like somebody who gets off on really fucked up things and reading in the arms of nightmares i find it extraordinarily unsettling but i'm glad somebody has read it enough that that's what they use it for because that book is not hot it's about killing motherfuckers i'm with that see i i uh would not take me a whole lot to fall in love with a serial killer because i i don't know i kind of i don't know I just really, I can, I try to look at him on a human level. I don't know. Maybe I'm a weirdo. I'm, I, I'm Maybe you're a weirdo. Your fu- yeah. Maybe you're I'm a weirdo. I'm seeing your fucking face, bro. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I get it. I'm excited to read that book. That sounds like something that's right up my alley. No, and I, the fact that a chick beats off to it is another glowing endorsement from this man. I, I just got to read all your books and go to your city because I'm hearing nothing but good things here. Fuck yeah. And uh, <laughs> if you would, just give that girl my number. <laughs> Sounds like the kind of girl I would like to meet. Maybe, you know, take out for a drink or five. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, that one, that, I've heard lots of things about my books. That was a first, and that's still the only time I've ever heard that. But knowing that that's out there is definitely, there's some people I guess feather in their cap. For me, it's like, hey, whatever. It's better than saying it sucks. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, that's definitely a glowing endorsement. I mean, Nothing I've ever written has caused anyone to masturbate, including me. <laughs> I mean, that'd be really masturbatory to write to masturbate to your own writing, though, wouldn't it? I mean, that's really just a whole nother level of like. Even I don't know. I that's like, I mean, nobody gets you like you. You know. I mean, nobody loves me like me, but that's true. Hi, hi. So we have you uh, on the phone today. Robert, which is very exciting because it's the first time we've ever done it. Um, so we are over here drinking Jameson. Would you be partaking in any particular imbibement this evening? I am right now drinking. I am generally a Jameson drinker. That is 10 out of 10 what I drink. But I unfortunately didn't. I had like a sliver. I had enough for a shot. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a cocktail. So I made myself a white Russian. Ah, 
the dude abides. Eleven, out, yeah, the dude abides. The eleven out of ten rule, <laughs> the famous eleven out of ten yeah. rule. I'm, math's not my strong suit. I, does that 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 works, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's not in studio, so we can't do anything about it, anyways. We would happily share some of our yes. full bottle of Jameson with you. Yes, we would not. We would, would. We tra- would add to your scotch, if you will. If you would travel to yeah, Los would, Angeles. I would definitely. The thing about me with Jameson, it, it's my drink, but I drink it neat. So when I go to the bar, ten out of ten times, I get a Jameson neat, and then I'll have a water with it, and then after I finish that, which is in a gulp. And then I just sip on beer until I'm ready for the next one. So I'm not much of a good whiskey drinker who has respect for the art. No, I just like getting fucked up, and Jameson is my poison of choice. Well, I mean, I nothing wrong. The with only that, the only way to drink Jameson is neat. For like, really, like unless you know Slayer here's doing it on the rocks. I prefer it neat though. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I feel like when it's when it's super chilled, it gets a uh, syrupy. Almost. It gets kind of thick. Too. Anyone who drinks Jameson on the rocks is a fucking weirdo. So I'm says a fucking the, weirdo. Says so. the man drinking a white Russian. Hey, so I'm a fucking weirdo. Oh, no. Matt Slayer's a weirdo. Yeah, that's not really Fucking news. news flash. That's not really news. I do enjoy me a white Russian. That was actually true. Uh, just remembering this right now, because, you know, weed. Uh, White Russian is the first drink that my big sister made for me when my mom was out of town and we got fucked up. So that's a pretty good choice. I'm with it. Excellent big sister. Yeah, she's a good one. We like her. You sure? I, you know, I got two big sisters. They don't suck. I like them. No, I'm kidding. I love you both. Y'all are wonderful. (laughs) Okay, so um, I am a few pages into red seven and it seems very cool but i am a little intrigued as to the gothic western genre that's not something i've ever heard of before um can you tell me a little bit about that and a little bit about like your your book and all that it's not a gothic western per se but it's it's written in the style of southern gothic which is my favorite kind of book southern gothic is a is a is a style it's like Cormac McCarthy, William Faulkner, um, Flannery O'Connor. Um, it's basically like the way that to describe. And we lost the call. So we temporarily lost Robert Dean. Apparently, you know, Texas isn't quite up with the whole phone internet thing. Where they don't really understand technology. They got to, you know, get the cow out of the road or whatever the fuck they got to do. I blame South by Southwest. Lots of cell phones right now. See? Hey, but See, we got him back. Hey. hey welcome back, is. Robert Dean. So you were uh, Southern Southern Gothic. Yeah. So basically what I was saying is Southern Gothic is a style of book that um, people like William Faulkner, Cormac McCarthy, Flannery O'Connor, um, even William Burroughs to some extent, it's a style of the South holding magical realism. And when I say magical realism, I don't mean fucking dragons or anything like that. It's Who just wants that to fuck a dragon. I'm there's confused. people, there's, you know. Oh, so what I was explaining about Southern Gothic is it's a style of book that dudes like um, Cormac McCarthy, William Faulkner, Flannery O'Connor when she was alive, uh, John Beignet. 
Um, there's a whole like bunch of people. It's a very f- popular, famous style. It basically is that the South is this like disgustingly magical place where even like To Kill a Mockingbird is considered Southern Gothic to an extent, and it has like a it's deeply worded, but it always has this sense that anything is possible, whether or not grim or in the in like a positive aspect. Southern Gothic is a very distinct literary style. And that happens to be like my bread and butter as a writer. So guys like Joe Lansdale and others. So when I wrote The Red Seven, I really wanted to write a Western that wasn't Howdy Ma'am with a bunch of hit tech, like dudes tipping their cowboy hats and all that bullshit. I wanted to write like, what if Tarantino wrote a Western that wasn't Django Unchained or wasn't you know, the new one, the fucking dudes in the snow. Hateful Eight, which is fucking rad. Did you ever see it? Yeah, no, I love Quentin Tarantino. I think they're great. But I wanted to write a book that was like a Tarantino movie, but there wasn't the N-word every other <laughs> every other sentence. I don't That's recall nice. the N-word being That's there nice. at all, actually. I, I, Django. No, I know, I know it was a Django. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino made an excuse to say the N-word for like 20 minutes in Django. I was talking about Robert's book. Like I've read yeah. the Red Seven. Like oh, I don't, oh. I don't recall the N word being in the oh, Red I was Seven. Like, Dude. No, it's I was a- not that blackout drunk during Django. I know we saw it on Christmas, and it's like Jewish get drunk day. But I just wanted to write a book that, because for me, my thing with being a writer, period, is I try to write books that I would read as a reader. Because unfortunately, dudes are re- like the one thing that dudes are really bad at is reading books, because they. Everybody wants to play video games or watch movies with fucking stupid Avengers and all that shit. So I had to appeal to my base audience of what I thought that someone like me would like. So I'm always writing with myself in mind of what I would read. And fortunately enough for me, people with shared interests would like to read stuff like The Red Seven as well. Whoa, whoa, Very whoa. Cool. Just to go back real quick. Stupid Avengers? That's harsh. Yeah, so cool. Harsh. I don't, I don't give a shit about comic book movies. I don't care about Deadpool. I don't <sighs> care about Game of Thrones. I don't give a shit about any of that. I think dragons are fucking stupid. Like, I, you got me on Harry Potter. I got, I got totally sucked in because I read the books. You damn right you did. You damn right. Yeah, you did. Like, this inter- be like, if he, if he says something about Harry Potter, it's about to get fucking nasty up in like, here. You were about <laughs> to get me cut by association. Like, I got... I got sucked in on Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. I love Star Wars. I love Blade Runner. Okay, cool. You know? All right, so he's gay. He's cool. He's cool. He's cool. You know, like, I do like that stuff, but do I give a shit about, like, anything that Superman does? No, I don't. Well, I like fuck that. Superman. Yeah, nobody gives a shit fuck. about Superman. Fuck Superman. The worst character in the history of comic books. Like, your protagonist is only as good as his antagonist. If there is no threat to your protagonist, he sucks. Superman has no real credible threats. Fuck Superman. Yeah. I mean, like, I like Batman, but I only like like uh, like the new Batman versus stupid Ma- Superman movie looks stupid. So stupid <laughs> Superman, Superman was right. Yes. Stupid- no, it's a Zack Snyder flick. It's gonna be very fucking pretty, and have horrible plot, and just be fucking garbage. That's what Zack Snyder does. He makes very pretty movies. That's all Zack Snyder does. I, mean, I don't know. What Zack Snyder does, but I can tell you, of, I'm not a movie guy, so I just thought it looked dumb. Well, you don't have to be a movie guy to know it looks dumb. 
just for reference, Zack Snyder did 300. He did the Watchmen movie. He did the last Superman movie. Okay. So he makes pretty movies. I never saw 300, and I saw The Watchmen, and it looked really cool, but it was boring as shit. The graphic novel is very super intricate. Like It was often considered a, a comic book that could not be shot because how intricate the comic was. Snyder was fairly faithful to it, but no, he pretty much just makes pretty movies. He also made Sucker Punch, which is one of the prettiest movies ever made. But So bad. So bad. 300, 300 was very pretty. Yeah, and it was, was very true to the comic. That's yeah. why it was halfway decent. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it was just... That's what he does. He makes fucking pretty movies. I mean, good for him that he is making... He is a multiple millionaire for making pretty fucking movies. And people keep giving him money to make pretty fucking movies. Hopefully, Warner Brothers stops that shit. <laughs> we'll see. Probably not, though. Because everyone's going to go see Superman v. Batman. Dawn of All shit. Right. You, are, you are getting, like, way... Off. I'm trying to hear about this book, man, and you're like fucking Avengers. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I enjoy Mr. Continue, Mr. Dean. <laughs> Sorry, I enjoy comic book movies. Some of them. I like books. I want to hear about the book. I mean, yeah, I like. <laughs> I read the book. I know. I'm oh, gonna, uh, I'm a, I'm please. Yes. When I was writing the book, Matt was actually one of the first people who read it. Like, as I was writing it, he was one of the people who read it as I was going through it. That's very cool. I Like, one thing about Matt that I will say is he's a pop culture aficionado on certain things. But, like, if you need to know if, like, a movie is good or if your plot is shitty or if there's a discrepancy, like, he's just good at that. And so he's one of the, like, five people I trust when I'm writing something to run things past him because... He'll tell me if it's, like, garbage, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah, I tend Yay. to be a little blunt. Aw, well, that's why we love you, Slayer. Well, no, because, I mean, it's what you need. When I'm when I'm about to dump a whole year into something, you really need you need the blunt people to be like, yeah, dude, that works, or that doesn't work. Yeah. So when I was in the process of writing it, he was somebody I leaned on to be like, hey, dude, we want to take a look at this and tell me if it sucks or not. And he was always very kind with his, like, feedback. Which is nice. Um, yeah, I wasn't always super kind with my feedback on you know Happy Hour. I definitely had notes on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Happy Hour. Don't get me wrong, I definitely enjoyed it. But you know, there were definitely notes on flow and you know relevance and, at points. You know, it is what it is. But with the Red Seven to anybody, it's basically the story of a bounty hunter who his he collects a bounty on a guy who happens to owe money to a gang. The gang, in retribution for the bounty hunter collecting the bounty, goes and kills the bounty hunter's family. And the bounty hunter is named the Ghost. He wears all black, and he's hard as fucking nails. But these dudes, there's seven of them, hence the Red Seven, figured there's no way that this dude is going to fuck with us. There are seven of us. We are the baddest dudes on the planet. And this guy... When they, you murder a man's family, especially a man named the Ghost, he's going to come and find you. So it's the story of somebody with an unrelenting hatred towards these seven dudes for murdering his family. And he finds them in every nook and cranny that they may be hiding in. And at no point does his sickness for not wanting to rest a day not get the better of him. I mean, he faces 
trials and tribulations and humanity of struggling with dealing with the fact that these fucking guys killed his family. It's not just shoot him up, bang, bang. There's lots of mental duress and the fact that like when somebody does something so heinous to you, it almost changes you as, as a person. So I wanted to explore the psychology of what a man must feel like if everything has been taken away from him when he's the one that usually is the man taking away from someone else. That's very, that's very cool. Um, now f- for that, for the, the psychology of that, did you, uh, read any like case studies or, or anything like that? Or was that kind of like an, an internal, uh, journey for yourself? Like, what would you do? I mean, a little bit, it's a little bit of what would you do versus, I'm just a student of the game of reading. Like I'm in my office right now and there's well over 600 books in here. So if I'm at the store, I'm at a garage sale, I'm on the lookout for books 24 hours a day. So if I see something on a psychology, abnormal psychology, I'm reading it. So those sorts of things interest me. So when I see how serial killers think, not to go full circle back on the serial killer thing, or true crime, I'm, I'm very interested in the psychology of why people do the things they do. So that was already omnipresent in my mind to begin with. That's very cool. Yeah, Robert Robert collects books like I collect movies. Yeah, I dig that. I dig that. I'm very into the psychology and true crime and, and stuff like that. And I'm, uh, I'm about it. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, Robert's just a, stu- a student of reading. Like, So one of these things that I do when I travel abroad is I actually always pick him up a book in other countries. You sweet thing. Aw. Was was that too sensitive for the air? No, no I was. You know, it's a bummer. So, like, you and my other friend Chris. Chris sent me something when he went to Japan. Like, you got me something from Japan. And when I went to Sydney, I was like, dude, I'm gonna get these dudes something awesome. Problem with when you go to Sydney is there's really nothing awesome to get people. <laughs> oh no, I, like I didn't get him one awesome book in Sydney. When I went to Sydney, I actually picked up Robert two random ass vinyls. Oh, that's cool too, though. Like, I kept my eyes open the whole time because I had two dudes in mind, him and my friend Chris. And I was like, I'm going to get these guys something awesome. But everything you find in Sydney, you're just like, it's just, it's not that cool. Like, I love Australia, man. I'm extraordinarily lucky to have been there. But the problem is, is like, they don't have the things like Australian culture does not have um, the preface on locality like we do. So every city in America is very distinct. Like Austin is completely different than Los Angeles. Los Angeles is completely different than San Francisco. Yeah, we're American, but we're, it's almost like different countries, you know? And you go to Sydney and they're just like, yeah, we're all this one Australian city or this one Australian place. And we kind of like the same stuff, but stuff's just a little different here than it is there. There's no like dominant local culture that perpetrates um, ideologies and, uh, fashion and things like that. Like you're not going to find like a defend Sydney t-shirt, like you would defend new Orleans or something. And that's what I was looking for to get my friends, something granular that I, they could give uh, them. You can get Uggs. I mean, Uggs are definitely there. Ugh. They get Uggs and men at work. See, I don't and know. The, Vegemite. The, the closest I've ever gotten to, uh, Australia is that Mary Kate and Ashley movie. Our lips are sealed. That was my jam when I was like 13, man. Which lips? Gotta watch the movie and find out. Dude, that's it's a not fuck one of those movies. About girls. No, it was uh no, they go they go to uh 
it's the similar premise to any of their other movies. They go to because I'm a I'm an expert on Mary Kate I'm and letting Ashley you movies. Not, mother, mother fool. Completely, so, completely off topic. Real quick. Holy fuck, jo- Jody Sweden on Fuller House. Dude, I know. Fucking hot as shit. We started watching it over Joanna's house. Me and Joanna. I don't think we watched the first three episodes because we spent the whole time talking about how everybody looked. But anyway, the premise is similar in all of the Mary Kate and Ashley movies. Basically, they go someplace and they meet. They accidentally serendipitously meet two dudes at some point they play a trick on them where they pretend to be the other one to see if the dudes actually like them or they just like that they're twins and they run into all types of shenanigans and all this stuff um but yeah i don't remember why it was called our lips are sealed i think there was a spy or something involved with it or the go or the go-go's no i mean they did have that song in there because they had that movie island in the sun and they got that weezer song too well, they have enough money to get the rights to whatever music they I know, want. This was a long time ago, too. I'm a. I just happened to. I got a soft spot for Mary Kay and Ashley movies, y'all. It's a. It's a bad thing, but anyway, that's the closest I've come to Australia, and I'd like to go at some point. But I am kind of scared about going because everything there is trying to kill you. Not that's in actually the that's what I that's what I texted you when you told me you were going there. I was like, be careful, bro. Every bug, every insect, every fucking animal there is just out to kill you. You will die from the air there. Nothing tried to kill me besides the women. Ooh. Wish. <laughs> hey, they love American dudes, so it was great just being like, "Hey, I'm an American dude in your bar, and you're gonna buy me drinks." Did they think night? you have a cool accent? Do they? They do. That's they... so funny. Oh, I mean, nothing was funnier than the UK though. Like, I had a girl ask me to say her name in my sexy American accent. Ooh, I... things you never hear for five hundred. Right, like, <laughs> especially my fucking voice. Like. What? No, you got a good voice. I like no, no, the, no. But the, I don't have a sexy baritone. I don't have a sexy American accent. Like, no, fuck that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just lucky that I don't have my New England accent anymore, and that I never picked up a Baltimore accent because that would have been a bad scene. Yeah, no, Baltimore accents, no or, good, no bueno. Draven, are you from Baltimore? Uh, I am originally from Massachusetts, but I moved to Baltimore when I was about ten. So I, I'm, I say that I'm from Baltimore. Uh, cause I spent my formative years there. Um, Dude. but yeah, I, I lived there forever and I just moved to LA about six Dude. months ago. So I, my, my wife's friend now lives in Baltimore. She just came and visited us for the weekend and she brought us burger cookies or burgers. Yes. Burger, burger cookies. Oh, I am actually friends with the son of the people that own that company and Those are- fucking delicious they're insane like you better you better have like i don't know like someone on hand though because if you eat too many of those you're going to straight up go into a diabetic coma i was oh, yeah. never given cookies when i visited you in baltimore you know dead ass i have burger cookies in my house right now podcast over <laughs> i will make sure you get a burger cookie i have one in my in the house right now cookie singular no i, no, I have like a bag of them no i i'm go i only get one no you get whatever yeah, no, I'm gonna start you off with one, bro. They're serious. You can't you can't eat like five of them. You have to eat one of them and just enjoy that you're having one. Because they're very, very decadent and very rich. Have you not met me? I am a glutton. <laughs> yeah, no, burger burger cookies are the jam. And like um I recently went back to Baltimore for a weekend and I had to bring back like old bay chips and Utz pretzels and all this stuff for my husband because there's there's stuff there. It's I mean, I feel like it's like that with any like city like that that has like a yeah. like a tight knit community and things that they're known for. You know, yeah. like when you it's when like, you lose leave that area, there's just certain things you can't get anywhere else that you miss from home. 
Yeah, I mean, that's an easy. The local culture permeates everything. As far as, you know, like Chicago has certain things, New Orleans has certain things, Austin has things, and I've lived in all three cities. And there are things about all three that I find extraordinarily welcoming, you know. But when I went, I, when I've spent time in Baltimore, I definitely had a good time. I really hope that in the near future I get to go back because since going, I did not know about pit beef. Oh, I, dude. Have you never watched The Wire? Like, they talk about I, pit beef on the, in The Wire all the time. I have only seen like two episodes of The Wire. And I know I need to see more of The Wire. I just haven't. It's okay. I've I lived in Baltimore forever, and I've never seen The Wire, so it's it's whatever. Well, we have what seventy five hours you, of entertainment to go through real soon. I'm stoked. What I will tell you though is one of the best places in Baltimore you can go for pit beef is literally in the parking lot of my strip club. It's called Chaps Pit Beef. That's what everybody's telling yep. me. Seven really? days a week in the parking lot of the Gentleman's Gold Club. Dopest shit ever, but they close at 10, so get there beforehand. Why do they close at 10? If they're in the parking know. lot of a strip club, you'd stay as open as Dude, late as they the don't strip club. need to, bro. I would roll up to work at noon. There was forever, every single day, there's a line out the door. Every single fucking day. Dead ass. It's so good. Yeah, but why not make more money? Dude, they're open seven days a week from like... I don't know, like nine to ten. Make more money. I don't. More. I don't own it. Whatever. Well, let's fix that. Well, write a strongly worded letter then. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my, my thought is probably it's not worth the bull. They make enough money that it's not worth the bullshit after the strip club closes to circumvent that. That just seems like that's probably logical. It's true. Yeah. I love after strip club crowds. Well, then you can go to fucking Paper Moon or something. Like No, after hours in Baltimore, I always end up in Korean barbecues. Yeah. Cuz the Korean barbecues don't give a fuck about liquor licenses and fucking 2, 3 o'clock in the morning are serving me soju. There's a few places like that. You just got to know where to go. I feel, I feel but it's like that, you know, whatever. It's how it is everywhere. I know, but my the first time I ever had Korean barbecue was in Baltimore after hours. Like, oh, word? Yeah. Like, I had never had b- Korean barbecue. I was out with, uh, what the, I was at Auto Bar. Oh, I love the Auto with, Bar. With two of my homies that live there. And they're like, we're going for Korean barbecue. I'm like, am I going to like this? I'm, I'm annihilated as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to like this? I'm not sure about this. They're like, you'll like it. Don't worry. It's a lot of meat. You live in like the home of Korean barbecue now. Oh no, I eat so much Korean barbecue since I moved out. No, like, we we talked about that last episode because we went to Korean barbecue on Christmas and Slayer ate an entire portion of sirloin all to himself and we time lapsed it. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, well, all these bitches tapped out. I'm rehashing stories from previous episodes, Whatever. but yeah, Your mother. It was great. It was great. Y'all bitches. We I was at a different table than you, so don't y'all bitches at me. Oh, okay. Sorry. Veruca and Damon Those James. Those bitches. And Them Steve bitches. Jabbers. Yeah, Steve Jabbers. Bitches. <laughs> Them bitches. Them bitches. Could have helped me with a cube or two, but no. <laughs> I had to eat it all, or we would have gotten charged. It would have fucked up the time lapse, though. Let's be real. I mean, I could have, like, alley-ooped it with chopsticks. <laughs> it was what I could have alley-ooped it. I could have, but... What's your favorite Korean barbecue? Me, I don't really get much Korean. Last time I had, like, I'm going to be totally honest. The last time I had Korean barbecue was when I was in LAX and had um, 
whatever the famous food truck is, they have one in LAX in the International Terminal. Oh, I was about to be like, what? Yeah, it, it's, in the, it, it's in the Tom Bradley Terminal that we don't fly. Oh, uh, okay. Because and they had a Korean barbecue food truck. Yeah. What's the like big? It was it starts with a K. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Ah, uh, shit, 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 shit. It's the Korean tacos. Oh, yeah. I don't know what they're called. I know what you're talking about, though. Yes, yeah. they have a truck in LAX, and that's the last time I had Korean barbecue. Because in Texas, it's really not a thing because we have real barbecue. Yeah, that's hey, true. We have y'all some have some real... banging. Y'all do beef barbecue down there, right? They do it's beef, good. sausage. I mean, there's pork, too. I yeah. mean, they got mostly everything. beef. Mostly beef. We do brisket. Yes. So, I mean, there is a place in L.A. called the Horse Thief Barbecue that is two Austin transplants that's actually pretty legit. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I'm not, like, this is the thing about when it's transplant cooking food. Nine times out of ten, it sucks balls. Then that one time, you find the good place. So, in no cook and ladder, whatever the fuck you called it, the horse, happy horseshoe, whatever. Hopefully, it's legit because, like, I just found my new orleans food spot because there's a shit ton of new orleans people here but the new orleans food here is garbage but i just found one legit place robert i I, i've eaten quite a bit of barbecue in austin you know i almost that's almost all i ate while i was down there so i know good barbecue i take my word for it it's legit take the fuck pepsi challenge on that well you'll have to get your happy (laughs) you will have to get your happy ass to los angeles and do one of these fucking podcasts in person then and then we the the gorilla will be unleashed on Los Angeles at that point. Yeah, I got yeah. one when I when my when I come to Los Angeles, I have like one place I want to go. What's Everywhere that? else, I don't give a shit about anything in Los Angeles other than wanting to go to like see Manson murder houses and go to like <laughs> the Jumbo's clown room. That's like all I want to do. Please let me know when you're coming to LA cuz I'm going with you. I will sh- take you to all of those places. I will take you to the Spawn Ranch. I will take you to Cielo Drive, they re- they actually changed the number of the house, so it's a different number than what it originally was at the time of the murders. But I know what the number is, and I will fucking take you. This Let's is kind of Draven's roll. thing. This no, like I just I like got it. I'm like fucking Christmas morning over here. I was like, <gasps> yes. Yeah, I'm actually wearing a no, not today. I'm wearing a Louis Armstrong shirt, but yesterday I was wearing a shirt with the whole front of it is Charles Manson. What kind of panties are you wearing? I'm actually not wearing panties because I'm a male, and not that there's anything wrong. Kind of mantis, kind of mantis. Are you wearing? I am wearing all black like I do every day. So, yo, I'm liking your friend more and more. Is it cotton or silk or I mean, what's what kind of material are you rocking there? They're just black, like they. They're just black. Black like my soul. No big deal. (laughs) Ignore the random dog sound effect. I know. What do you got? It's a hellhound. That's all it is. Cujo hounds, it's fucking goth as fuck over here. It's the hounds of hell. You know, Cujo. <laughs> Shit. So, yeah, when the fuck are you coming to Los Angeles? Because you know Jumbo's is like blocks from my apartment in East Hollywood, home of Bukowski. Yeah, you know. Well, I think, I think the more relevant question would be, um, since Red 7 recently came out, do you have any plans for like uh, book tours or appearances or readings or anything like that? Um, I'm reading here in Austin and, um, to be honest with you, here's the thing about when you do, when you release a book, you need people to read that book and to help create demand. 
So you do podcasts, you do your friends' podcasts, you do little newspapers, you do anyone who will say yes. Okay. And the thing about it is, like, if it starts to sell more, then those things dictate whether or not I can tour on it and all that. Because my publisher is small, small but mighty, and, you know, I got to just keep getting press for me to be able to say, I'm going to spend some money and I'm going to go to Los Angeles and go to bookstores. Because right now, if I go to bookstores, no one's going to show up. And that's kind of the thing. I, I, I look at my career like I should do it like the Beatles did it. Beatles were like, we're not coming to America until we're number one. I'm not saying I have to be number one, but I certainly don't want to sit in a fucking bookstore with six people. That's a good fucking attitude. Hey. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on, saying yes to us and coming on our podcast so we well, can talk about your rad book. We'll bring you more than six people. If you came to Los Angeles, we'd at least bring you three. Well, nine. Sorry, math bad. I just, my thing is like, I don't want to be one of those people that's a, I would rather do it the right way and I'm building towards this. That's why I'm always promoting the book. It just came out. It's been out for like a month and a half and you just do as much press as you possibly can and hope that it hits a cycle and people want to read it and talk about it. I mean, when you write a book about a fucking bounty hunter who wears all black that like kills these dudes, you kind of are a niche audience in one's respect because I'm not exactly going to get on Ellen tomorrow, you know? Well, I mean, you could always just show up. Yeah, let's see how that works out for me. Hey, it would definitely get you some press. Yeah, it would get me some press, but <laughs> so, I, don't want to, I don't want the jail record that comes along with that press. Hey, you just got to outrun the cops, man. I'm fat, dude. There ain't no room. <laughs> so we're, what we're saying is six months we trained for the Ellen Show. Oh, my God. Just start doing those crunches. Start doing those crunches, yeah, right? the wind sprints. We will get you. Put those in. little put those little weights on y'all's ankles. Exactly. Boom. Robert Dean outruns yeah. the cops. <laughs> yeah. And then they. There's just your next them. book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No bueno. Fine, fine. There goes my hopes and dreams. I'm so doing it the old school way. Hey, I'm with it though. Of, I like that. Speaking of the old school way, where do people buy your book? You can buy my book. Um, so. Amazon is the easiest place to buy my book. Just type in the Red 7. It's got a cool skull on the front of it, and that's the easiest. You can order it from your local bookstores. You can order it from Barnes & Noble. Some Barnes & Noble even stock it. You just got to, if you don't see it, just ask. That's all you have to do. You can buy it. For, I would prefer that you bought it from a bookstore because, you know what, support bookstores. But if you're lazy and you're like, yeah, hey, fuck that. I like using my computer too. Dude, all you gotta do go. On, you can, I think it's ten bucks for the paperback, and then three dollars for the ebook. And there was a limited edition of the hardcovers, but those are sold out. Ooh, fancy! So, I think I think we might ask the listeners of two eighty eight to, uh, if you want to be a lazy fuck, go ahead and order it on Amazon. But go to your bookstore and uh, create some demand for it, so that we can get Robert here to do a little book tour and you know, hear his book out loud because fr from what i've read uh i really like your your style and, and your wording and i think it'd be i always like to hear things from uh the author's point of view and the way the author uh enunciates and and would read it because obviously you are the one that knows how it's supposed to sound yeah i would so, love um to let's do that y'all <laughs> like i i have a very like i it, la is a weird place for me because 
I've always wanted to go there in the respect that, like, my literary hero is Charles Bukowski. And I know how, like, dudely everyone's like, yeah, fuck Bukowski, whatever. Are you 18 still? Like, no, I just, I, he's still my favorite writer. And that's not going to change. Hey, I still but, love his shit, too. So don't, don't, don't hate. I mean, there's a, there's a very, there's a large modicum of people who have you know, Bukowski, which I just tell them to go fuck themselves. Well, those but, people don't live in dive bars and get drunk every night. No, I did that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, some of us still, yeah, anyways. Um, but the way I look at it is the necessity of that my hero lived in Los Angeles. I really want to go to like, just, I don't need to like lit walk in the guy's footsteps. I just want to see some of the spots he like maybe took a drink in. Cause when I lived in new Orleans, I was lucky enough to like experience many of the things that my favorite writers who did time there do. And when I visit, I visit San Francisco very frequently. And when I'm in San Francisco, I have, Definitely got a couple of drinks in North Beach where Kerouac and Ginsburg and Burroughs and all those dudes did their time, even though now it's Yuppie Central versus when they were there. Yeah, it's still cool to be in the, the same space where they were, though, like even even though it might be different, you know, just yeah. trying to not let that affect you and just like have your own moment is is a very rad thing. And to be able to do that is is very cool. I mean, the yep. minute you get here, I will take you to Coles for a French dip. And one of the urinals has a plaque over it that says Bukowski pissed here. Nice. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I, I really don't take for granted some of the places that I've been able to visit. And, like, going to City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco was a personal victory for me because that's the place where Allen Ginsberg first read Howl. Which oh, to me shit. Is that's right. The amazing experience that in my life is going to go down is, like, I couldn't believe I was even in that place, let alone – you know, in the room that the guy read the book in. And I was just like, this is fucking crazy. You know, I had my moment. How surreal. That's wonderful. Speaking of Howl and surreal, um, the David Lynch Foundation put on the anniversary show for Howl last uh, last year. And I got to watch Michael K. Williams, Omar from The Wire, in a cowboy hat, read sections from Howl on stage. Wow. That was fucking weird. That's pretty I, cool. It was it was awesome. I'm just like Omar in a cowboy hat reading. Fuck. Okay, this is happening. I mean, David Lynch put it on, so of course it's fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I, like that's one of that's a pet project of mine. The being of like getting Happy Hour, my memoir about New Orleans, released hopefully in 2017 as a goal, and then in 2016. I'm trying to hook up with the right publisher to release because I grew up reading Ginsburg and Bukowski and lots and lots and lots of poetry. I have like an entire huge poetry collection that I would really like to put out. But like a memoir, poetry requires the right kind of audience and a dedicated audience. And lots of stuff is writing on the back of the Red 7. I, I don't understand how Happy Hour hasn't gotten picked up yet. It's even if they're completely unfamiliar with you, it's a great read. I am, I honestly think you should, you know, develop a screenplay for it because it would be great in its film. But eh. okay, so so what I'm gathering for people who may not know is is Happy Hour a uh, a, a memoir of sorts from your your time in New Orleans. Okay, so here's the thing about New Orleans and me. I moved to New Orleans with three hundred dollars in my car, in my pocket, and all my shit in my car. I basically told myself one thing: I was miserable in Chicago. I was trying to write. 
but I couldn't get two and two together. I just you Chicago beats you down with you know blue collar mentality. If you need to do this, you need to do that. And you need Orleans, to pump out two point five children. Yes, and in New Orleans, I was going there constantly, and I was I fell in love with it. And I just wanted to be there, and my heroes had done time there. So finally, when I got laid off from my job, I was like, "Fuck this, I'm going." And so I went with nothing other than one idea. It was like, I'm going to make my career as a writer. And so I did that. I got, but stayed in a bunch of sketchy apartments till I got on my feet. I had, I ended up working on Bourbon Street for eight years, running a magazine, freelance writing, drinking every single day, getting into all kinds of trouble, like shooting dice in predominantly black neighborhoods with my black friends, like having these amazing experiences with these like dudes that I would have never met had I stayed in Chicago and opened myself up to whatever happened. We just did it. And fortunately enough for me, I was cognizant enough to just write down the stories of the things that were happening. And so that became happy hour. It was my memoir of eight years of just ridiculous drinking, hard living, having fun and just you know, I went out with Hunter Thompson's best friend one night on a when we totally had a bender and he told me he's like, you know why Hunter killed himself? It wasn't all this bullshit that he released. Like he was like he had cancer. He couldn't have gone out that way. And I was like, What do you mean? He goes, dude, he's Hunter Thompson. He was bigger than life. If you think he that guy wanted to watch himself whittle away from dying of cancer, I was like, No. And he goes, He had to do it his way. And that turned out I didn't even know who that dude was. And the next thing I know, I find out that that was the original editor of Playboy. And I went out with drinking all night. And that guy kept trying to get me to do coke off the end of a key in the middle of the abbey. (laughs) (laughs) We all have those friends. Yeah. And so, like, those were the experiences I had. And so I just wrote them down. And that guy was, like, told me to meet him at. He, like, scribbled some stuff down on the back of, like, a napkin. And I remember the next morning being, like... He was like, come to this party, meet me there. And I remember like looking at it the next morning and it was total gibberish. And I went back to the Abbey and he was never to be seen again. But that's the beauty of that night. It could never be replicated because it would have never been as good. That's so fucking awesome. I love those nights. The the lightning in a bottle fucking drunk nights. Like Yeah. Where like yeah. everything everything is beautiful. Everything's magic. Everything is great. Like I, yeah. I, we had a night like that. The, um, were you there that the, it wasn't exotica. It was Chicago ecstasy. It was like oh, the first, the first, por- yeah. The first porno convention that was in Chicago. And it was, you, you know, you crippled my buddy. Like he won strip for pain. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I did hurt him really bad. I said, sorry, but, um, but yeah, like the, Cleo the- Valentine was with us and she had never been on a train before we took her on the blue line. We went to Debonair. We had this blaze-ass time. And then there was that Michael Jackson dance party in the middle of the street in Wicker Park. And it was, like, just this. And it was warm and clear and beautiful. And everyone was laughing and everyone was dancing. And it was just, like, this magical fucking time that, like, can never be replicated. And, like, I'll never forget. Like, those experiences are so fucking beautiful. Oh. That, that was a fun show. Holy fuck. That was and you have a whole book full. You have like a whole book's worth of all of those incredible evenings. I can't. That's so amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's just I tried my hardest to write a memoir of a life that was a, a real joy to be a part of. And I count my time in New Orleans 
to be the, one of the highlights of my, it is the highlight of my life. It's the single most important decision I ever made in my life was moving to New Orleans. And I consider it home till the day when I die, my ashes will be spread in New Orleans. I, when I make my money, if I ever write a bestseller and they say, hey, check's in the mail, I'm out. I'm going right back. But I would never go back unless I had unlimited funds because I know firsthand that unless you if you don't have those unlimited funds, life in that city is very hard. Right. So it's just something that it, it, at the place in time, it was the it's absolutely something when I'm an old man dying on my deathbed. I will never take for granted the time that I was allowed to spend there and to thrive on top of that. Uh, I mean, shit. Robert keeps trying to talk me into moving down there. He's like, that's so uh, rad. He's like, fuck LA, move to new Orleans. You do great there. I'm like, "Eh." I want to go there so bad. Like, obviously we didn't, uh, the pants and I, we didn't have a honeymoon. Um, I got, I got married in June. Um, Robert, well, yeah, he's the pants on the skirt, you know, Oh, word. <laughs> um, so we got married in June and we did not have a honeymoon um, because we moved to L.A. Uh, but that was like the one thing. That, that's the one city that's like stood out in my mind that it's like, you know, he's like, you know, do you want to go anywhere? Where do you want to go? And I'm like, I just want to go to fucking New Orleans. Like, I just that's I, where I want to go. The pants will definitely appreciate New Orleans because the he food wants is, to go too. the food is amazing. Like besides being sweaty all the time, if I move there, I would be 500 pounds. I would just eat fucking amazing deep fried food. You'd be the drunkest creature to ever walk the planet. Oh. <laughs> you know what's the fucking weird thing about there though is like yes, you are drunk a lot, but because you're just so used to always being drunk, it just becomes part of your lifestyle versus just like a crazy night. That's what like, I've heard. Yeah, it's just but, like it's a very just it's just like a cultural thing there. Like everyone's kind of s- s- lost. Yeah, well, I mean, that, but that's pretty much my existence, anyways. It's, it's a bar it, in City Hall. It's just adding in the the fucking really rich food. Like I would be fat, sweaty, and drunk. Well, the sweaty would probably help with the the fat. No, no one appreciates a fat, sweaty guy. Nobody. Well, no, like you sweat sweat it out, bro. Oh no, no, no. I wouldn't be sweating it out. The, <laughs> the calorie <laughs> intake. Like, oh, no, 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 no. The <laughs> calorie intake versus the sweat would yo. Know, just wait till you get some like decadent chicken fried pork chops from you know. Willie Mae's Scotch House or fucking any of the other. Just... See, you need to take me to New Orleans. I, we will totally do a live episode in New Orleans. Like, I have friends down there. We'll a fucking... live episode. We will tape a show in New Orleans and y'all will listen yeah, to cause it. Yeah, because no one wants an actual live fucking episode. You don't understand the shit show that goes into this, how much editing and shenanigans and how it's many. It's not that much of it. A lot of fucking takes go into this shit because you got a drunk operating the wheel. That is true. I don't know why we decided you were the one in charge of the. Because I. Because you just did it. Because yeah, I just did. I'm like, I, I took ownership of the knobs. I own these fucking knobs, yo. Oh, there I go, go getting ghetto again. Fuck. Oh goodness. Oh, but. So you said that you um you worked on you worked on Bourbon Street. Now um, were you like a, did you have like did you have a job there like on Bourbon Street or were you like a street performer? Robert was totally panhandling and, you know, turning tricks. Oh, wait a minute. Nope. That's somebody else. No, I was, um, so I was an entertainer. I started out as a DJ. I was playing music for people because I knew music really well and I needed a job. And I went in, I was like, hey, I lied and said that 
I uh, knew how to DJ and I totally didn't. And <laughs> I just was like, hey, I could be a happy hour DJ. I know a bunch of music. And so they were like, yeah, you actually do. And so I just started doing that. And then I learned how to mix and all that through necessity, even though I hate the music, I just learned how to do it. And then that turned into there's a guy with a microphone called an MC. And they're like, you never shut the fuck up. And you're kind of funny. So they just made me do that. And so I became an MC. And I did that for eight years on bourbon, you know, just getting in control of crowds and getting people to buy drinks and being funny and getting them just all riled up. And then at the same time, I was the editor of a magazine and was still writing books and still doing other stuff. That just happened to be what was the main book. I mean, the main driver of my income, unfortunately, because by the end of it, I wanted to murder anybody who came up to me because if there's anything, any entertainer, any DJ, any, anyone that has to deal with drunk people in a public setting will tell you, want to fucking kill them very quickly if you're an ex-stripper then you know too because drunk dudes have their own way of doing things and drunk white girls get really mad because they're like i want to hear that song i want to hear it now that's my song you didn't play it so we're gonna leave and you're like fuck you go ahead and go somewhere else yeah i want to hear beyonce when white girls get drunk i just want to be like your privilege is showing Dude, there's an entire chapter in Happy Hour dedicated to drunk white girls and how they're like, there's two things in this world. There's actually drunk white girls are the worst. The only way to make drunk white girls even worse is when they're a part of a, of a bridal party. I can vouch for that. Yeah. I will say that my girls, I did not let them get crazy out of hand. And we went to a bar when it was dead and I told them that I did porn. So the bartenders were, I think, rowdier than my bridesmaids were. Um, but I cannot stand bridal parties most of the time. Like, I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you found, you know, your dude and you're having a ball and a biscuit and it's your last night or whatever. But like, you're going to end up puking. I can't tell you how many bridal, you know, I can't tell you every single bachelorette party I've been to. I have held the bride's hair every fucking time except mine. Actually, yes, at mine. My bridesmaid was throwing up, and I had to hold her hair at Wait, my bachelorette party. Which bridesmaid? Doesn't matter. Oh, no, I'm curious. Doesn't matter. I'll, no, tell, no, you no. Oh, no, I'll tell you off the air. Doesn't oh, matter. no. Doesn't matter. I mean, we talked about most of your bridesmaaid's tits. I mean, we can't talk about Well, we can one. talk about their tits are beautiful. Them puking is a different story. Let's be real. I, they're human. They're allowed to puke. Yeah. I can't help they hold. But no. Yeah, oh, so. I, I want to know which one with great tits can't hold their booze. <laughs> oh, that was totally scummy of you. Don't worry about it. Wow, that's a really fucking sketchy statement. <laughs> Editing. It'll be it'll be out in post. No, it's totally staying. It's it's gonna stay in. <laughs> so okay, so, so yeah, I no, say no, sketchy. I get things. that. No, because I I will say in my in my younger days, in my mid twenties, I got quote unquote white girl wasted. Never a fucking gen, yo. Like I like I like puked up it was like a Valentine's Day party or something. I like puked up Skittles in like the corner of this bar and it was like my girlfriend's bar. So like her homie had to clean it up and I felt like shit because like I didn't I like forgot that I did it. So like I sobered up and I was like, ew, he puked. <laughs> and then we're like, you bitch. And I was like, oh shit, my fault. So and then like never again. So very ever since then, that one time, I'm very good about like I'll get sauced. I'll get like on the edge, but I'm very good about like holding my shit because you know, 
I, I want to be that one white girl that doesn't get white girl wasted. <laughs> it's like the thing is like with white girls that they just next thing you know, they're carrying their shoes. Yeah. Like, oh, the last place you want to be is barefoot on bourbon. Holy fuck. Just the last place you want to be. No, that's see, Doc Martens girls. Doc fucking Martens. They look cute with everything. Just wear them. Yeah. I mean, we just like we would see all of these people like you know there was always the thing is like play this song and you're like no like we'll and then we'll leave turns into this battle and like when you tell them you're gonna play the song then they just stare at you and then like it's just it's a whole fucking thing and it just was debilitating and by the end i just wanted to kill people like i remember one uh festival i won't um name names at which festival it was because that's like sensitive subject but I caught this, like, lady. No, fuck it. It was during, like, I think it was Bayou Classic, I think was when it was. The fucking lady is in the club in, like, she's wearing a leopard print halter top, pregnant as fuck. Yes. And smoking a cigarette. And I stopped the music, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, get this fucking I, straight up. Like, and if there's... A thousand people in the club, maybe not a thousand, but like 500 plus. And I'm like, get this fucking bitch out of the club. And I said that on the mic in front of the whole club because I was like, dude, you're pregnant and drinking. And she goes, it's just one. I was like, I don't care if it's fucking one. I don't care if you're drinking a Coke. That's fucked up. And so I uh, stopped the music and kicked her straight out of the club. And she bitched the whole way out the door. But I was like, dude, you can't be fucking drinking while pregnant. And that's the shit you see. You see people fucking like it after a while, the good time of crazy shit. Like I remember during Super Bowls and like, oh, you know, God, I can only imagine. Right. All these different events like Mardi Gras, you get tired of fucking people just beating you down with their incessant stupidity and demands. See a Mardi Gras wait, wait, where wait. I where I never want to be on. I never want to go to New Orleans. No, let's let's put a let's put a pin on Mardi Gras. Were you in New Orleans when the Saints won the Super Bowl? Yes, ma'am. Holy fuck! How much of a shit show was that? It was insane because I'm a Saints fan, so it was fucking like they were showing like they should they they won it in Miami. They didn't show Miami. They showed us uh, in the quarter. Oh shit! I was working, and I like I remember they when they won the whole bar erupted with like people throwing beers and spraying champagne. I think I was out till like nine o'clock in the morning the next day. That's so fucking cool. I, yeah. That, that is one of the nutty parts about new Orleans is like bars are technically 24 hours. If they feel like it, they'll be like, mm, we don't feel like staying open for you. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Fucking 9 a.m. fucking drinking shit. Yeah, we were out till like 9 a.m. the next morning. And it was, it was a good night, man. It was definitely two sports moments of my life for the Saints winning and the White Sox winning. Fuck yeah, 05 Sox. Fuck yeah. Those are my two sports moments. I may alienate part of the Midwest, but uh, fuck the Cubs. Yeah, fuck the Cubs. Fuck the Cubs with the L.A. Raiders. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have the LA Rams now. We have a football team. Yeah, again. now yeah, we got a football team now. Yeah, nobody cares. No, I, mean, I, I, where, I, where are they gonna fucking put them? Inglewood. 
it'll be a place to be seen for some elite people for like two years and then they're gonna leave again yeah no one's gonna give a shit it's la people don't give a shit about anything yeah well, now now it's weird because i really liked being able to watch football like anywhere in la and unless it was like a specific team bar like it was like a seahawks bar or, like a fucking steelers bar some fucking shit like that like unless it was like a specific bar you can pretty much wear whatever team and go wherever and it's not a problem because there wasn't a home team Right, I mean... Like, I, I'm not taking my ass anywhere near a fucking goddamn Steelers bar. But, like, I could wear... Yeah, seriously. But I could wear my Ravens jersey in a Seahawks bar, and it wasn't a problem. I could wear my Ravens jersey fucking anywhere. It's not a problem. You know, like, I can... And it was the same, like, with baseball. It's not going to change. Because no one gives a shit about... I mean, like, there's the Dodgers or whatever, but no one cares. So I can wear my socks, like, my red socks. Red, not white. Red socks. Shit, anywhere. And it's not a problem. Inferior socks. You're inferior. Can you shut the fuck up? Because I wouldn't be very entertaining on the air if I shut the fuck up. But no, Red Sox for life. What color In- do you bleed when you get cut? Red. That's what I thought. Red socks, bitch. No, I, I bleed black. No, you don't. Black and white. No, white socks. No, you white socks all day. No, you no such thing. If I was to cut you dead right now, I wouldn't know. I'd be dead. <laughs> be dead. You heard there it first here, everyone. She's gonna I, murder me on air. I hate the Red Sox more than I hate the Yankees. And our call got dropped. What happened? Oh, my God. Where did Robert go? <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't end the call. But that was mean. You know, <laughs> like the Red Sox, are t- there's two teams in baseball that I loathe. One is the Red Sox and the other one is the Cardinals. Why do it I hate? Doesn't like red, apparently. Yeah. No. What are you colorblind? No. The reason why I hate the Red Sox and the reason why I hate the Cardinals is because both of them have the same fucking thing going on. You guys like to pretend that you're this like sleepy little team. They're like, oh shucks, we're the Red Sox. We're just from this little town called Boston. We're right near on the here on the bay. Y'all want some shouter? Oh, that's really nice that our baseball team won a couple of World Series. Isn't that sweet, dude? You guys spend more fucking money than the Yankees to win shit. And you're like, have a like, Cause it's 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 because we don't know because it's no one says it's oh it's Boston like it's Boston Red Sox but everyone knows it's for the entire fucking area of New England. Yeah, well, and it used to be they actually and the uh like because they actually they did that because the Patriots used to be called the Boston Patriots. Yeah, and because there wasn't any football team for anywhere else, now they're in the New England Patriots, but they haven't done that. Well, because the they also play in Foxborough, not Boston. Foxborough isn't, it's not that. Uh, I know where Foxborough is. I know exactly where Foxborough is. Yeah, whatever. I knew Foxborough's a thing. (laughs) You're a fucking thing. I am a fucking thing. (laughs) What what of it? What of me being a fucking thing? What of it? I hate the Patriots too. (laughs) Everybody hates, I'm so, like, I am so unfazed by that. Everybody hates the fucking Patriots. I saw an article today. Tom Brady supports Trump. I never said I liked Tom Brady. My mother, my mother loves Tom Brady. Well, I could give a fuck. Tell your mother that Tom Brady supports Trump. I bet, you know, honestly, I bet my mother does too. And that's why we don't speak as often as I'd like. As, that sounds like a good thing if she supports Trump. Yeah, well, we don't talk about politics. The 288 podcast does not support Trump. Not you want to know why? Because I have a vagina. And I might be a Muslim. Nope, I'm not a Muslim. Uh, no, because he'd, he'd stamp you with a little star at David real quick if he had the chance. No, no, no. We run the media. <laughs> if he if he tried to stamp me with a star at David, he'd be off the air before you know it. That's true. Also true. This isn't Germany. 
Ryan. No, <laughs> we're totally getting off topic. Do we have a topic besides hating on New England sports teams like, as we know. should? I don't know why it had to get so ugly. That's fucking... really pretty to me. Really pretty. New England's wonderful. I love Massachusetts. <laughs> Somebody's gotta. Yeah. So anyway, besides all the people stuck there. So basically, what I was getting at was. Uh, I'm not super into the fact that LA is getting a football team because I like being able to wear whatever the fuck team I support anywhere and there not be like a thing with people being like, ugh. Because you know all these people that are no one's gonna from, be- from quote unquote from LA. They're going to ditch whatever team that they like were supporting and they're going to be like, oh, well, I'm from LA so I got to rep the home team even though it's not really a home team. No, no. Everyone's going to rep the Raiders that are still from here. No one's going to give a flying fuck about the Rams. I hope so. Like if the Raiders had come back down here from Oakland... That would have been a thing. But no one gives a fuck about the Rams. The Rams are originally from fucking Anaheim. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I, I only know about like uh, the Colts in Baltimore and all that stuff. Yeah, like, I, know. I know. There were the Anaheim that. Rams before they were the St. Louis Rams. Mm-hmm. And then back to L.A. So what? It's like saying the fucking they would give a fuck about the Ducks. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Or the Angels. Yeah. How are they the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Two different fucking towns, not even the same fucking county. I don't know. Oh, marketing. You don't say. It's called marketing? I have never heard of such things. Don't be a snippy bitch. Um, <laughs> I gotta go now. <laughs> I mean, how did this podcast become a sports podcast all of a sudden? I don't know. I'm reading about baseball right now, so... I like, we have an author, a drunk metalhead, a porn star, and we are somehow on fucking sports. Dude, I could talk about sports all day long. Hi. Well, <laughs> I think it's what I think is funny is like, totally, since we're there, I just, I have to say it since it's topic relevant, like not to dive into this, but you know, what drives me nuts is they announced today that Adam LaRoche, he's like the White Sox designated hitter retired from the White Sox because he couldn't bring his son into the clubhouse because last year yeah he he retired out of spite he's been injured so to in order to not null and void his contract he just retired so he retired from the White Sox so last year he brought his kid for almost nine months of baseball could you imagine having to deal with a 14 year old kid in a multi-million dollar professional clubhouse for nine months Yo, what a fart in the bathtub. That's pretty funny. I, I mean, I, I appreciate that level of spite. Yeah, I like, mean, like, but come on. Come on, that's pretty fucking funny. Mind you, this is the same dude that al- that also wiggled his way into letting the Duck Dynasty guys have family prayer day at Sox Park. Shut so, the front door. Is that a you, real you, thing? You can say shut the fuck up. We- no, I know. No, come on. Like, we're, we're not censored here. Is that a real thing? Yeah, straight up. Wow. You know, and this guy, like I said, thirteen million dollars for an injury-prone, under underperforming player. As far as I'm concerned, you and your fucking kid can go right off into the sunset, Adam Lamroche. I would rather not have you on my team because I don't want to hear your Jesus bullshit. I want somebody that mashes home runs and gets my team back in contention. So fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Yas, queen. I, I appreciate that sentiment. Like, it's been a decade too long since the Sox have won the fucking World Series. 
It, it's it's a fucking shame. It's been oh, since Dude, 05. That's whatever. <laughs> Fart in the bathtub. <laughs> eh, whatever. I mean, I don't live in Chicago. I haven't lived in Chicago in almost five years. I I still have a little pride in my home team. Yeah. I mean, hey, there's there's nothing wrong with that, you know? I mean, there is something wrong with that to the rest of my family because the rest of my family is a bunch of fucking Cubs fans. Ah, uh, well, you know. Well, I mean, that's why I don't talk. Well, I mean, that and a plethora of other reasons is why I don't talk to them, but mm-hmm. mostly because they're Cubs fans. Yeah, that's the main reason. With their popped collars and horrible shit. Mm-hmm. So, where the fuck were we before we got on fucking sports? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... We went down a fucking rabbit hole there, and we got fucking lost. Like I said, I could talk about sports all day long. I'm total bro like that. So what do you think of Conor McGregor getting ch- choked out? Oh, I mean, like, if you, I'm not even a UFC guy, but I also can say that that guy came in way too cocky, way too overextending himself in the sense that he went up two weight classes to fight a guy. And, yeah, I get it. That's his thing. It's bravado. But at the same time, you need to know that if you're going to take these risks, humbling yourself is totally and completely viable. So if you're going to go down that path, at least know that this dude had a longer reach, was bigger than you, and clearly got the best of you with the knockout punch. So do I think that when they, they're going to have a second fight, will Conor McGregor win that fight? Yes, I do, because that dude is scrappy and learns lessons. But don't count out – do not do not discount the fact that that dude fucking – ran his mouth just a little too hard and there were a lot of people that really like to see that dude shut the fuck up for a day oh no and i definitely but i i will give mcgregor all the credit in the world that he is handling his loss like a fucking champ he's not shying away from interviews he's fucking being like yeah i took a risk i lost like i appreciate that shit absolutely fucking no it was a good fight nate you know nick diaz no it was nate diaz sorry the Diaz brothers a little mixed up with the Nate Diaz is fucking a veteran and he's fucking crafty and Conor McGregor has proven that he does not have a ground game and he got choked the fuck out. He also ate a mean one too before he got choked the fuck out. I mean he, he ate that mean one too and he shot for a fucking double leg like oh my god I don't know what to do I'm gonna try to take him down and it fucked him. Okay, we probably should get the fuck off sports because nobody listening to this podcast gives a shit. No, yeah, what? I don't, I don't, what happened? Don't just shake your head. <laughs> you, you have to use your words. No one's watching you. I, yeah, I don't know. You guys lost, I, I've heard the name Conor McGregor, but you guys kind of lost I mean, you're, there. you're proud Irish. You should know your Irish, you know, folk heroes. That motherfucker is not a folk hero. Uh, tell that to the people of Ireland. They fly into Vegas to watch him fight. No, I mean, good friend. That's not, okay. A hero, yes. Folk hero. Give him a couple of years. Yeah. Doesn't he doesn't have the, the fucking history? Come on now. How much history do you need to be a folk hero? Enough. I'm never gonna be a folk hero. I don't fucking know. I never like you know took classes to figure out what it's gonna take to be it. I don't fucking know. Can we also talk about the fact that Conor McGregor kind of looks like if Macaulay Culkin was really scrappy grown up, that's what he'd probably look like. You're right. You're right. I will agree to that. I have Speak, seen photos of him. Speaking of Macaulay Culkin, did you see that um, viral video where he tortured someone? What? Oh, yeah. There's a video. Uh, someone saw, shot a comical short with Macaulay Culkin tor- like with PTSD torturing someone 
as like playing Kevin from Home Alone. I mean, I've seen the Uber where he's like their Uber driver, and then he makes them drive or whatever because he never learned how to drive or whatever, but not like torture. Oh no, there's one where he tortures somebody. <gasps> I gotta oh, see that. Hold on, let's uh. Nothing's more entertaining on a podcast than fucking YouTubing shit. Is that something we can pull up? Can we pull that up? I'm pulling it up. Oh my god. So you know, like, we should probably just keep talking Macaulay about Culkin. it. Macaulay Culkin. Well, I mean, the I mean, I know about Macaulay Culkin with his uh, Pizza Underground, the Velvet Underground cover band, where all they sing about is pizza. Yeah, and that band sucks, man. That's what I've heard. I like, want to see them for the novelty of it, I think, more than anything. I do enjoy the Velvet Underground, so I feel like I'd only be there for like a song and then get like really mad and leave. There we go. Oh, we have an ad. God damn you fucking ads. As we watch videos, as we record a podcast. Cause so, okay, so, okay. You're going to describe to your listeners what you're watching? So we're watching the driver's video with Macaulay Oh, Culkin. yeah, no, this is the one I was talking about. He tortures like... a dude in this. He totally tortures yeah, a dude Yeah, he picks this. him up, and he's, like, trying to go someplace. But he doesn't know how to drive. He obviously knows how to drive. He drove up. Well. He totally has PTSD. That... So... Macaulay's wife did too much blow in this video. This is... Yeah, see? He doesn't know how to fucking drive. That's what he just said. He doesn't know how to drive, but he drove up. Like, plot hole. Fucking plot hole. He drove up. And this is why Robert hired you to read his book. He hired me? Where's my or fucking check? he asked check? you. Whatever. Don't be a, a sassy bitch about it. Okay, well, then you've seen this. Let's yeah, stop. I've seen it. Okay, fine. You've seen it. We don't need to watch it again. Macaulay tortures. Well, I got excited because I thought it was something fucking different. It's so easy to excite you. That's how I got into my line of work. You know what I mean? Ah, yeah. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Well, we, we appreciate yeah. It. <laughs> let's, let's, let's take a break for a sec. Okay, we're gonna. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, we talked like, okay. So, what I want to we totally broke out there for a minute. Whatever. What I what I want to hear is we've talked about you know we both like serial killers and Manson and Poppy Z Bright and all this rad shit. So, I'm assuming that you are a horror fan, yeah? Yeah, I like horror to a certain extent. I'm not like one of those dudes who are like obsessed with horror. I don't have like an insane DVD collection of horror, but when it comes to it, I'm a definite fan of the genre. My first book was a horror book. My publisher is a horror publisher, but by no means am I an aficionado, but I can tell you that I watch an absolute fuckload of El Rey network though. Oh yeah. Well, what is, um, can I ask you what the best, like what kind of horror movies you like and what is the best horror movie you've seen recently? Recently? Um, I haven't seen any horror movies recently, but I think when it comes to my favorite ones, like, would you consider Seven a horror movie? No, it's a thriller. That yeah. is totally a thriller. Well, see, I a- think that might be, in in some aspects, it may be kind of, 
kind of very lightly touching on psychological horror because it, he did fuck psychological yeah thriller. psychological yeah okay we it's can a yeah psychological thriller i could do that i mean but it's like, about a serial killer and there is some gore so i mean gore does not make it horror though. no but it, you know you, whatever well yeah. whatever like, whatever and then another favorite of mine which some people give me shit about but you know what i fucking love the devil's rejects i do who gives you shit about that there are people that are like fucking zombies a shitty writer and a shitty director and they look everyone looks like white trash I just, I love The Devil's Rejects. I quote that movie constantly. I, I personal experience, he does look like a homeless person in person. I almost threw him off his own set. That's funny. He does look like a homeless person, but Sherry Moon is so fun. Well, I did not get to see Sherry Moon. Oh, I did. I did. I seen her at the whiskey. Nice. <laughs> nice. I also learned on the 31 set that I am taller than Malcolm McDowell. Really? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. I would die to meet him, too. Yeah, I had to walk him back to his trailer. That is, but I do. I okay. So Devil's Rejects, that's cool. Um, I like those. I like like the old school Halloween movies. Like I like Reanimator, the stuff, yes. um, the thing. Like I said, I watched like I don't know. I'm weird about movies because I don't read a lot, but I can tell you a lot about horror books, though. You know. Okay. Well, what's the bet? Well, then even that's even better for me. Uh, maybe not for our listeners, but for me. Um, what's the best? horror book that you have read recently because i love that shit um <laughs> recently i would definitely give a plug that the doors you mark are your own was a good one and then um another really good one that i had read i mean i'm kind of in this mode when it comes to horror i'm revisiting a lot of stephen king because i'm with that fuck yeah i've been re- i've actually been well, not reading, but I've been listening to The Stand as an audiobook recently. Yeah, I mean, like, there's this weird thing where I think a lot of us of a certain age, we kind of, like, those who got into books kind of revisited this thing where we're, like, Stephen King's just a part of our cultural lexicon. But if you take the time to go back and, like, really read, like, The Dark Half or Nightmares and Dreamscapes. I or, love like, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Joyland, one of his recent ones, is total pulp, but it's fucking great, man. It's, like... And it sounds dumb. You're like, oh, Stephen King is great. But, like, I think we almost as a society take for granted the fact that, like, he has given us so much in the last 30 years that it's unbelievable how much of an output that guy has. Like, he wrote Stand By Me in the Green Mile. He wrote yep. The Shawshank Redemption. People don't realize that. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, No, I, I absolutely think that people take Stephen King for granted. He's amazing. Even his, um, like, his, his, co- uh, Collections of st- short stories. Everything's eventual. I, I mean, read that all the fucking time. All Stephen of King's so idea of a short story is a novel. No, no, his actual. It's like thirteen short stories, and it's l- a book less than the size of the stand, which is not you know so what? much. But, well, I mean, yeah. the stand's the size of a dictionary. But yeah. given that you, I uh, here's a here's a good one. If for if people are into horror movies and things like that, this isn't a horror book. But if you want something to make you feel extraordinarily uncomfortable, <laughs> and especially for you, Draven, because you enjoyed Exquisite Corpse by Poppy Z. Bright. I highly suggest checking out a book called The End of Alice. I can't remember who wrote it, but I think it's like, I, let me uh, look at it here on my bookshelf really quick. The End of Alice. Oh, he's got it. He's got it in print, y'all. Oh, he has so much <sighs> in print. I like that. Yeah, A.M. Holmes is her name. She's a, It's a female writer who wrote it, but it's about a child-killing pedophile who's in jail that becomes pen pals with a little girl who's stalking a little boy in her neighborhood. 
So he tells her his story. Like, you go through his memories of what it was like to be a child-killing pedophile, and you see her stalking this little boy and them trading their letters back to one another. <gasps> it's the most fucked-up book I've ever read in my life, but it's so well-written. I mean, you, our audience at home can't see this, but like Draven is like visibly aroused at the moment. I, I am so excited to read that book. I'm, oh I'm going God. to have to throw ice water on her, or she may start humping inanimate objects. I highly suggest getting a copy of The End of Alice. It's she really did. I, the, like, I've been like write, I've been like writing everything down that you've been saying. Like she so really much. did the I'm flustered like wave. <laughs> like, she's like, holy fuck, I'm so hot right now. Like, oh god, oh. like I, I mean, we're we may have to cut the podcast short so she can jump on can to relieve stress. I might have to, but yeah, it, um, yeah, this this is great, and you know, thank you for your for your recommendations and everything. Thanks for. Telling us about uh, the Red Seven and um, Happy Hour, which I don't know why it's not published. I really hope somebody picks that up. I mean, so cool. I keep. I hope pushing, it comes out in 2017, like you're talking about. I keep pushing that he should write it as a screenplay because it would make for an amazing Bukowski s movie. Yeah, it'll see the light of day eventually. It's just right now I'm working on building the brand of Robert Dean, and once people get to know my books better, I think then it'll have a better shot. And eventually it will. I know a lot of great independent publishers. So I think that eventually it will see its day. It's just maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow. But it's there. It's ready to go. And hopefully it happens. Yeah. Oh, no, it will happen. I mean, I've read the book. It's fucking phenomenal. So just keep your eyes peeled for it. In the meantime, if you're a lazy ass, take your take yourself to Amazon. Get the, get the uh, Red 7. Or... You know, if you're not a lazy ass, take yourself to a bookstore, request it, make a make a demand for this man. You know, he's written cool books, cool enough to come on to our podcast. Is there is there a place we can find you on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of that stuff? Yeah, I'm on all of those things. Um, if you want to talk shit about books and cool stuff, I am always on Twitter at at underscore Robert. It's Robert underscore Dean. I am on Instagram, Robert Dean Nola. And then if you're on Facebook, just look up Robert Dean or Facebook slash Robert Dean's World. I have all three of them. I'm on them pretty frequently conversing with people, but the easiest one to get me on definitely are Instagram or um, what you call it, Twitter. And I'm always talking about shit, talking shit, sharing political memes or talking about food or books or movies or whatever. Or but, all of the above. Yeah, you know, on them all. Very cool. Well, awesome. thank you. Thank you for spending some time with us. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you. Hopefully we'll have you on again. And uh, we'll be talking about uh, your next book. No. The minute you get to L.A., we're, A, going for some Austin-style barbecue. Oh, yeah, we're going to Spawn Ranch, boy. Don't think I, don't I forgot. I barbecue when I'm in – I don't want barbecue when I'm in L.A. I want French dips. I want to drink in Bukowski's bars. I want to go see the Manson murder house. Yeah, we're going to do all that. Wanna... Oh, no. We'll do all that, too. Don't worry. And we'll get you legit Korean barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> so like, those are fun things. I do that. But, like, I don't give a shit about eating barbecue when I'm in L.A. Just like I don't want to eat a hot dog when I'm in L.A. Well, uh, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But I, I found le legit deep dish, at least. Yeah, again, I don't want to eat that. Like, I, when I go to Chicago, I'll get those things. I want to eat LA things in LA. I don't want to have transplanted other things. Well, we will give you we will give you organic 
Lee LA things. No, not like organic, like not pesticide, but like organic LA things. Like this is something from like, LA. It's an LA thing. Like tofu and no, fucking hot fucking yoga. And- anyway, thank you, Robert. We love you. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> and um, we will talk to you next time. Cool. See you cool. guys. Right. Support independent publishing. All right. Well, that was fun. Our first call in. Check that out. Look, yeah, I mean, we're sorry about the audio quality not being the best in the world, everybody, but it'll come with time. It'll come with time and money and, you know, rain ducats upon us and we will improve fucking audio quality for call-ins. True. What's something that I did think was really cute was when he was talking about um, all the authors that like he's been influenced by. He was like, where they did time, like they were in jail there. Being an author's like, you know, no, I know, no, like I like it, but I like that he used the term like did time, like that. That was really cool. I've never heard that before outside of like a like a prison right, context. Right. So I I thought that was really that was really neat. How cool! I'm actually I'm really excited to read um no I mean that first book that first book he was talking about the the nightmare oh in the arms thing. of nightmares yeah in the arms of nightmares no no Robert's shit is awesome. Like I mean as as he said I I've read a bunch of his shit and you know he. Good. I'm part of his creative process, but apparently I, I never. I really know. Look at how integral you are. You special I, thing. I, I'm a fucking snowflake. You're so special. I'm a fucking oh snowflake. My oh my god. So aspiring authors out there, I will read your shit and tell you you're, you're horrible. He will, but he'll tell you what also doesn't suck. I mean, even if, if it if it doesn't suck. Right. If it doesn't suck. If it doesn't suck. I mean, if you just want me to tell you you suck, I can do that too. Let's be real. If you just want someone to tell you how much you suck, you can pay me to do it, and I will just mercilessly tell you how bad you suck. But that's she, a different conversation for a different day. She will look much better doing it than I am. <laughs> like, I'll be scratching my nuts, drinking, and be like, you suck, motherfucker. She'll be all like... You court. know, I really can't hate that because I can guarantee that there are a few dudes listening that would be like, you know what? I would much rather just watch Slayer scratch his nuts. Than have anything to do with Draven's big tittedness. This is true. I mean, you got that. That you're not like a you're not like a bear. You're not big enough to be a bear. Am I a fucking that, cub or something? No, shit? you're not a cub because you're not. I don't know. You're like if there was an in between stage for a bear and a cub. I don't fucking know what. The, you're uh, like Teen Wolf. I'm, a, I'm a Teen, teen wolf. wolf. You're a Teen Wolf. Does that mean I'm going <laughs> to score some fucking basketball? Like. I hope that doesn't mean I'm going to develop fucking Parkinson's. Maybe I'll have you stand up in front. Oh. Oh, I went there. Come on. Maybe I'll just have you stand up on top of my mini and you can like surf through the streets of LA with your teen wolf. So that will result in my death. No, I'll drive slow. I'll be drunk. I'll be pulling. Well, that's okay. Well, that's on you, not me. Right. I'll still die. (laughs) No, don't do it. I will still be dead. Who's going to do this fucking podcast with me? Who's going to man the buttons? (laughs) I'm sure your big titted ass can find somebody like. I have big tits. Can someone manage the buttons for me? Not going to be anywhere near response. So you cannot die. Well, I'm immortal so far. So yay! I haven't chopped anyone's head off. That that not that kind of immortal. There can be only one. On that note, <laughs> I think that does it for the 288 podcast episode I, two. I agree. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Be sure if this is your first time, be sure to subscribe. And uh, stay tuned for the other lewd tales that we have in in, uh, in store. Because we got some stuff in store, don't fuck, we, Slayer? Fuck yeah, we do. We have guests coming from all walks of life. Movies, music, entertainment, pornography. 
<gasps> Pornography. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. But if you enjoy what you hear, fucking subscribe. It's only going to get better. Rate us on iTunes. We're trying to, you know, make tell a name for ourselves yeah, and shit. Tell your friends. It'll be great. In uh, the meantime, you can follow Maddie Slayer here on uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's at Matt Slayer. And I am... Uh, Twitter oh, is at Matt underscore Slayer. Matt underscore Slayer. Oh, yeah, you motherfuckers with your underscores. Yeah, I forget every time. The Brazilian guy stole Matt Slayer. I forget that goddamn Brazilian guy. Give and Instagram is Matt Slayer. Matt Slayer. I am at the Doomdoll at everything. And, uh, yeah, y'all have a good evening. See you next time. And we are out. Yeah.